1: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how the Green Bay Packers will take on the Seattle Seahawks in the divisional round at Lambeau Field Sunday night because the Seahawks beat the Eagles in Philadelphia 17-9. to Perhaps more poignantly, the Packers will avoid the New Orleans Saints, a team that Packer fans and media fretted about all week. I said on this show I felt like they were the second best team in the NFC and Green Bay is not going to have to play them. Why? Because Minnesota took care of them for the Green Bay Packers. That means even though the Packers beat Minnesota twice, they still had more gifts to give. Christmas over. Still had more gifts to give for Green Bay. They missed New Orleans. New Orleans season is over. And there is plenty more time to discuss Some things that are still sticking in my craw about the way that we talk about the New Orleans Saints relative to the way we talk about the Green Bay Packers, particularly vis-a-vis what is the discussion around Drew Brees and Sean Payton relative to the discussion of Aaron Rodgers and previously Mike McCarthy. We're going to get to a conversation about the Saints and the Vikings and everything that went down in that game. But let's start with Seattle because that is the team Green Bay is going to face this week. Obviously, we will spend most of our time this week with a breakdown of the Seahawks. We have multiple guests coming on. I already have some of them booked who are going to help us do that. I want to first take you back, though. Go back to 2014 the last time the Packers were in a position like this with a first-round bye and a two-seed. They were not the best team in the NFC. And in fact, they had lost to the best team in the NFC in somewhat embarrassing fashion on the road. And as a result, they had to go play that team in the NFC Championship game and ended up losing, in part, I think, Because that game was on the road and not at Lambeau Field. This has two tie-ins for our purposes. Number one, Green Bay lost to San Francisco. They will, if they win this week, have to go to San Francisco. Specifically because they lost in San Francisco to the best team in the NFC. Go back to 2014. The team that Green Bay lost to was the Seattle Seahawks. And as a result, they had to go to Seattle to try and advance to the Super Bowl. They do not have to do that this year. Now, they didn't play Seattle, and so they didn't have to beat them to get this home game, but they won enough games. The Packers won 13 games. Seattle won 11. And each team had to win a bunch of one-score games, Seattle had to win more of them. I thought Seattle was overrated coming in. I still, by the way, think that Seattle is not as good as their reputation this season. I don't think they're as good even as 11-5. and five. And they were able to go in and beat a Philly team that was completely banged up that loses Carson Wentz in the first quarter and still needed a play in the late fourth quarter to hold off Josh McCown, and an Eagles team without their best offensive lineman, without any receivers, without their starting running back. I mean, this was a mash unit for the Eagles, and Seattle still only managed a one-score win. Now, any kind of win on the road in the playoffs is an impressive win, and we shouldn't downplay that. But the difference this time, if we are going to consider this a rematch from the NFC Championship game, The difference this time is the game is at Lambeau. And if you go back to 2014, Green Bay and Seattle have played three times at Lambeau since that fateful game. They played the next season and Aaron Rodgers with James Jones in off the street, basically. They beat with relative ease, in fact, the Seattle Seahawks. 2016, more than relative ease, Green Bay at Lambeau Field blows out Seattle. And 2017, they open the season. Weird game, Mike Daniels dominates, Green Bay takes care of the Seahawks. Russell Wilson has his worst passer rating against any team against Green Bay. This is Green Bay's opportunity to exercise that particular demon. And they're going to do it with a very different team than 2014. The Seattle team is very different than it was in 2014. That was still a Legion of Boom team. That was Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas in their primes. And that was Russell Wilson in the midst of his rise. That was still beast mode. Beast mode is back. And we're going to have plenty of time to talk about all of that stuff. This is a familiar foe for Green Bay. And I really like the matchup in this game. I think offensively and defensively, Green Bay has a lot of advantages that I think they'll be able to exploit. And the game being at home, I can't overstate how much I think this matters because Seattle already struggles to create a pass rush. In Lambeau, in the cold, it's going to be even harder. The secondary is not great. The passing defense has not been great all year. And so I think this is an opportunity for Green Bay to get Aaron Rodgers going. And they're going to be able to play with balance. In this game. On the other side, I like the ability for Green Bay's front to get after Seattle's offensive line. Seattle has two receivers that you worry about. Tyler Lockett is a small, fast, shifty receiver. DK Metcalf is a big, physical receiver with great ball skills who struggles changing directions. All right, now let me check my notes here. The Packers starting cornerbacks, Jair Alexander, small, fast, Shifty, Kevin King, big, physical, great ball skills, struggles, changing directions. I love the matchup here for Green Bay. Green Bay is the favorite, four-point favorite, three-and-a-half-point favorite, depending on where you look. And unlike the matchup, had it been the New Orleans Saints, I think Green Bay is just flat-out the better team. If New Orleans had come to Green Bay, I would have had to pick the Packers if I had picked the Packers believing that I was picking the inferior team. Now, I still think Green Bay is a very good team. I just thought New Orleans was better. And them losing on on Sunday is not proof that that is false. They didn't play well. Minnesota did, or at least played better than the Saints. The Saints botched some late-game situations. Drew Brees turns it over twice. An ugly interception and an even worse fumble. And Minnesota gets the win, saving the Packers from having to play a team that I think would have been a matchup nightmare for them. The playoffs are so much about matchups. It's not just about who the better team is. Moreover, it's not just that I think Green Bay is the better team on Sunday. They're the better team, and I like the matchup. Green Bay gets the extra time to prepare. They did some self-scouting. I like Green Bay in this spot coming in with the opportunity to do some self-evaluation to get better, to get rest. The Seahawks played a physical, hard-fought game on the road. They're going to have to go, they went west coast to east. Now they got to go back east coast to west and then come travel again for this game. They're going to be banged up. Green Bay got a chance to rest. And I think all of that plays a huge factor in the matchup this week. Like the rest of us, I bet you're going into 2020 thinking about what you didn't get around to in 2019 and your goals for the new year. If you want to work toward being your best self in 2020, understand more about the world around you and make sure that your time is well spent. Blinkist can help. Blinkist is for anyone who cares about learning but doesn't have the time that is Absolutely me. Blinkist takes key insights from over 3,000 nonfiction bestsellers in over 27 categories and condenses them down into 15-minute blinks. Text and audio explainers that help you understand more about the core ideas of each book. This is great in the modern world. There are so many useful books and resources out there for you, but who has the time? We all have so much going on in our lives, but we can all take 15 minutes and get the basics right now. Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to blinkist.com slash locked on to start your free seven day trial and get 25% off a Blinkist premium membership. That's Blinkist B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T.com locked on to get 25% off and a free trial. That's Blinkist.com slash locked on. And if too many of your romantic episodes are going by in a blink BlueChew.com can help. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Remember, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants a little extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than going to a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Go to BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. BlueChew.com with the promo code locked on to try it free. So the reason the Packers are playing the Seahawks on Sunday and not the New Orleans Saints is that Minnesota went into New Orleans and beat the Saints 26-20 in overtime. Kirk Cousins, after what was really not a good game for him, comes up with a number of huge throws, clutch throws, including an absolutely gorgeous throw to Adam Thielen in overtime, a 43-yard dime to set up the game-winning touchdown. I don't want to hear about the, non, the non-OPI the call. It's not offensive pass interference. It's football, and it is not the reason that the New Orleans Saints lost. It was not a great game from Drew Brees. Two turnovers just barely made it to a 90 quarterback rating. And I bring up the quarterback rating because when you look back at some recent Drew Brees playoff performances, we don't talk about Drew Brees in the same terms as Peyton Manning or some of these, these quarterbacks we consider great but who don't come up big in the playoffs. But Brees has now thrown a pick in five straight playoff games and had he finished with a sub-90 rating, in the, in the Saints' last four playoff losses, two of them at home, he would have had a sub-90 rating. He got to 90.4, just barely hit the Mendoza line, 200 yards passing, as I mentioned, the pick and the fumble. Now, the, the Vikings' defense is no joke. We know that. We've seen this defense in action. But the Saints at home were supposed to be... They were supposed to be unbeatable. They were supposed to be juggernauts. They were supposed to come in and handle the Minnesota Vikings with ease. They were seven-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. And they didn't come to play. The, the, The only thing they were able to do was trick plays with Taysom Hill. And I am so glad that we are spared a week of not having to talk about Taysom Hill. We have been mercifully spared of that conversation because it would have driven me to drink and I'm trying to do dry January. I'm not really, but it it would have it would have been endlessly annoying to me. Instead, we get to replace that conversation with all of the discussions about the collapse in 2014 and the Fail Mary. Both of those are going to are going to come up on the broadcast on Sunday, so just prepare your bodies for all of that. But back to this game for a second. It's a reminder of two important things. I didn't think Minnesota was as good as New Orleans, but I thought it was pretty close. I thought Minnesota was a very good team that had a quarterback who just was going to be the the limiting factor in a game like this. And for much of the game, he was. And then, late in the fourth quarter in an overtime, Kirk Cousins came through. The Packers and the Seahawks are pretty close. But Russell Wilson is is a great quarterback and is not a limiting factor on the Seahawks. If anything, he is the driving force of the Seahawks. Late in the game, I know every Packer fan is going to have full, watertight sphincter status if Russell Wilson has the ball late, even if the Packers have a lead. We saw multiple road teams. We saw the Titans go into New England and beat Tom Brady and the Patriots. It wasn't that the the Patriots didn't come to play. They just didn't have enough. Now, I think the Packers have enough. But you have to play a good game now. The time for coming out soft, coming out slow, coming out without intensity, that is over. New Orleans didn't play well enough to win. And so, they lost. They deserved to lose. They had to score 10 in the fourth quarter just to tie it and force overtime. They did not play well enough to win. Green Bay is better than Seattle. But if Green Bay doesn't play well, it will lose to Seattle unless Seattle also doesn't play well. If Seattle plays well and Green Bay doesn't, the Packers are going to lose. And so they have to be ready. They have to be mentally ready. They have to be physically ready. Now, the bye week helps all of that. But this leads me to a critical discussion for this week. All season long, we talked about the Packers' ability to win ugly. That is the phrase that pays this year. Oh, they win ugly. It's not pretty, but they won. Well, it didn't look great. Well, for a half it was nice, and then the other half was kind of trash. Well, for three quarters it was close, and then for a quarter they, they played great. What did all four teams who won this weekend have in common? They won ugly. Houston was getting run out of their building. And they had to come back and win. The Patriots came out and and put together an early drive. Tennessee had to withstand the early barrage from the champs. Minnesota came out and, and struggled early offensively. They have some turnovers. They stayed with it. Did they look great the whole game? No. Kirk Cousins didn't play great. Dalvin Cook was not explosive. They couldn't get their playmakers free. But they kept fighting, they kept scratching, and they found a way. Seahawks, same deal. I mean, they they go on the road against a banged-up Eagles team. They only managed 17 points. But 17 was 8 more than the Eagles scored. Green Bay has won these games ugly by getting out to early leads, especially at home. They've been awesome at home. Double-digit leads in seven of their eight games. And Seattle is prone to these lulls. They've been down at halftime at home, at home, in almost every game. Now, they've been a better road team than home team this year, but to me, that is not indicative of quality. You can say, oh, they've been a great road team this year. All that all that tells me is they were a bad home team. That tells me they were an inconsistent team overall. Remember, this is a team that ended the season with a plus seven point differential. A plus seven point. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers went seven and nine and they had a plus nine point differential. The Philadelphia Eagles went nine and seven. Barely. They had a plus thirty-one point differential. The Seahawks won ugly. This is a battle of teams who went all season winning ugly. Now, they did it in different kinds of ways. The Seahawks consistently had to come back and win. That means if the Packers get up in this game, if they take a 10-point lead, a 14-point lead, they cannot do what they did in 2014 and get conservative. They have to find a way to finish the job. They have to find a way to keep Seattle from closing the gap. Because Russell Wilson is going to do ridiculous things. That's what Russell Wilson does. Yes, Green Bay has defended him well over the years. but that was a different coaching staff. That was a lot of different players. Now Mike Patton was in Seattle. he knows Russ. he knows he knows this coaching staff. he knows a lot of this personnel. Pete Carroll is one of the most conservative coaches in football. There's a little bit of a parallel here with late career Pete Carroll and and late stage Mike McCarthy, a conservative coach whose approach is hindering his Hall of Fame quarterback. The thing Green Bay did in Seattle in that NFC Championship game was not step on the throat. It's been a problem for Green Bay all season. If you're going to do it in a game, this is the game to do it in. And this is a team that's going to let you. This is a team that's going to let you get out to an early lead. And so if Green Bay can take advantage of that, if they can get up 14-0, yeah, Seattle's going to fight back. Seattle's going to claw their way back into the game. They're not going to get Seattle to quit. The winner on Sunday is going to win ugly. And both of these teams have been happy to do that over the course of their season. This is a team in Green Bay, the best home record in the league. The Seahawks, 7-1, and one, had the best road record in the league. This is strength on strength. Win ugly versus win ugly. But defense travels, and this is not the same Seahawks defense we're used to. They can't pressure the quarterback consistently, and I like the, I like the chance for David Bakhtiari and Brian Bulaga, assuming he gets through concussion protocol, to to handle on Clowney. And if that's the case, I don't see how Seattle can pressure Green Bay. I don't think they can hold up on the back end. And on the other side of the ball, I just really like the defensive matchup here with the ability for guys like Zadarius and Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, to create problems for Russell Wilson so that he cannot hit Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf down the field. That is the place where I think Green Bay is most vulnerable by far. Russell Wilson is the best deep ball thrower in the league. He's got two guys who can kill you down the field. Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos are going to have to be great in this game, not allowing plays down the field, not allowing the big play. If they can keep Seattle from creating the big play, I don't think the Seahawks can score enough to beat Green Bay on the road. And that's why my early lean in this game is to pick the Packers. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better.
0: one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store
1: We didn't get to this because it happened uh, over the weekend, but the Packers have Raven Green back at practice. He is going to be brought back off IR. We expect him to fill that extra roster spot. And this week in particular, I think that's an important development because Seattle wants to play a lot of base personnel. They want to run the ball. They have a tight end who can hurt you. They're not going to be in three receiver sets a bunch. They're not going to play a lot of spread-you-out kind of football. This is a game where you want Raven Green who can fill the box, who can run after and chase Russell Wilson. You don't want to have to play B.J. Goodson in this game because Russell Wilson is too fast. They have too many weapons that that can exploit what Goodson does poorly. And so getting Raven Green back to allow him to pair with Ibrahim Campbell or to spell Ibrahim Campbell, we'll see what Green's fitness level is this week. But this is this is an important player potentially for the Packers and getting him back really I think boosts this defense a defense that quietly finished 15th in DVOA on the season and was playing great football at the end of the year Zadarius Smith was an all pro snub and the last time he was a pro Bowl snub he went in and destroyed the Minnesota Vikings three and a half sacks and took their souls that same Minnesota Vikings team that just went into New Orleans and got a win so If there are any questions about Green Bay's ability to compete, they should be answered because anyone can beat anyone, which means once you get in the dance, once you get in the dance, that's all you need. Green Bay is more than capable of making a Super Bowl run here, and it starts on Sunday with Seattle. All right, Expert Tuesday, a surprise guest on Tuesday. We're going to have our crossover Wednesday. And then Ben Baldwin of the athletic, uh, noted Aaron Rodgers skeptic, and someone who loves to troll Packer fans, uh, he, he is. Uh, he covers the Seahawks for the Athletic, and uh, we're going to have him on. So I'll be sure to uh, to rake him across the coals on this one. No, uh, Ben Ben does great work, and so we'll uh, we'll have a discussion with him about the Seahawks and and probably a little Aaron Rodgers as well. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnPackers. Packers. You can like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.